Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. The only news anybody in the pro-life world can talk about, of course, this week is the leaked draft of what may be the final decision on Roe v. Wade. We do not, of course, know that yet, so there's just an absolute torrent of speculation going on everywhere. We now have confirmation from Chief Justice John Roberts that that draft decision is genuine, but it is a draft that we do not yet know what the court's final decision on Roe v. Wade will be. Now, I would have loved to have a show for you here this Wednesday talking to somebody who knows the ins and outs to the extent that we can on what's going on with the Supreme Court and the potential overturn of Roe v. Wade. But I had another great interview scheduled, and we do get into Roe v. Wade a bit in our discussion. I have a conversation here with uh, Tracy Robinson, a pro-life filmmaker who actually wasn't pro-life even as an adult, and then was persuaded during a pro-life apologetics presentation that the pre-born child in the womb is alive, and that as such, that pre-born child has the right to life, and more specifically, has the right not to be killed. And she's produced this brilliant documentary called The Matter of Life. And I've seen a lot of pro-life documentaries. I would, I would bet almost all of them at this point. And this is quite a unique documentary because it doesn't just try to tell the story of the pro-life movement or even the story of an aspect of the pro-life movement. I think of a, a recent documentary that was put out uh, by a former quarterback for the Ravens taking a, a close look at the way abortion has affected the African-American community. There was another documentary, very interesting, came out quite a, quite a long time ago now called Blood Money which took a look at how Planned Parenthood gets people in their doors and how they've built this corporation on the blood of millions. But this this documentary uh, by Tracy Robinson kind of lays out the case for life step by step. And her intent is to create a film that will introduce people to the case for life. And that by the end of the film, they've reached the same conclusion that she herself reached, which is that life is not only valuable, but we have an obligation to protect it. So she agreed to come on the show and to talk about this documentary. Here is our conversation. If we could just begin uh, by introducing yourself to, to all of the listeners before we get into this great new pro-life film we hope everybody's going to watch. My name is Tracy Robinson. I'm the director and producer of The Matter of Life, a documentary that clarifies the abortion issue in a compelling and winsome way. My background is in film and video production, and this is my first feature-length film, and it's coming to theaters May 16th and 17th. So what was your involvement in the pro-life movement before tackling a feature film that's going to be shown in theaters on abortion? Very little. I never in my wildest dreams imagined I'd be tackling this topic, let alone making a film about it. My foray into pro-life was just doing video work for a pregnancy resource center in Ventura, California, and they needed videos to show at their banquets and, and for promotion. And I would just do interviews of their clients and promotional videos. But I was very much on the fence when it came to the abortion issue. Even as an evangelical Christian in my late 20s, I was very much in the mushy middle, personally pro-life at best. But who am I to enforce my beliefs onto others, that kind of a thing. So uh, it wasn't until my friends at the pregnancy center invited me to an apologetics conference and the topic was the case against abortion. And so that that's where it all started. What were the arguments that took you from the mushy middle into being somebody committed for life and producing a feature-length film explaining why others should be as well? In less than two hours, the speaker, Alan Schliemann, he gave a clear, concise argument for the full humanity of the unborn child 
from this moment of conception. And essentially, I really came to grips with the fact that, you know, obviously it's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being and abortion does that. And therefore it's wrong. And he invited us also to look at images of abortion aftermath. And so just the overall message really struck me. And it was in that moment where I realized, wow, this, there's so many people in my shoes who have never heard this message before. And I knew it, it needed to be some sort of feature-length documentary. But I had no idea about Roe v. Wade or Planned Parenthood, the truth behind Planned Parenthood or any of that, how we got to this point in our society. I was so curious to uncover that. It was like a lightning bolt that ignited this vision, and that's what kept it going. Every couple of years, somebody tries to make a, a pro-life documentary, but most of the, the, the really, really highbrow documentaries on abortion are made by those uh, who are pro-abortion. So you have Reversing Row that aired on Netflix a couple of years ago. There was Lake of Fire even before that, which covered the rescue movement. It was one filmmaker's tracking of the pro-life movement over 20, 25 years, actually. And it was the, the, the resulting film was, was pretty stunning. And then on the pro-life side, you have films like Blood Money, which came out uh, quite a few years ago now, I believe 10 years ago. But I noticed uh, with your film that the level of professionalism in making the film was, was really, really high. It actually does watch not like a handful of people tried to put something together in a studio, but it is really professionally done. Although I will say a lot of the, the people that turn up in those other documentaries from both the pro-choice and the pro-life side also turn up in your documentary. So what was the process like once you had decided to create a documentary? How did you go about deciding who you were going to interview, how you, you were going to structure the film, what to cover, because the abortion debate, of course, is, is huge. And just the topics you mentioned there, Planned Parenthood, Roe v. Wade, pro-life apologetics, all of those could and have taken their own films. So how was, how was your creative process in deciding to create this? My decision was to do a just a, a journey for people to, to unravel the abortion issue for people. And instead of beating them over the head, I just wanted to unpack it in a way that's digestible, in a way that's, that keeps them compelled, hopefully the whole time. And so I wanted to cover the entire gamut of the pro-life message and all the things I was learning, trying to put them into a plug and play experience for people. And so that became the science of embryology, the history of how we got to this point, and then the powerful personal stories therein. I discovered just this amazing multifaceted pro-life movement where people are doing amazing things to help women in crisis and just so many stories of redemption where people found themselves in this crisis pregnancy and, and God redeemed that situation. I wanted to paint that picture for people, but not in a way that was preaching to the choir. And so I just wanted to bring on board the people that inspired me. That's really interesting because this documentary does unfold that way. It isn't preaching to the choir. When I first started the documentary, I'll admit that I thought I, I was kind of settling in to be, to be to be politely pandered to because I enjoy watching a, a documentary that confirms all of my beliefs. And then when you started at the very beginning and you started building the case, I was thinking partway through, okay, this isn't actually, I'm not the target audience here specifically because of course, these are all premises I bought into a long time ago. This is why I'm part of the pro-life movement. So 
Who do you hope will, will see this film then? Because often pro-life documentaries are made for pro-life people and pro-choice documentaries are made for pro-choice people. And to some degree, any creator has to count on a certain audience when they're making something because otherwise you have no guarantee that you'll have an audience. So how do you plan to get this documentary to people who are like yourself in the mushy middle? Definitely pro-life workers, pro-life people, people that are involved who think they don't maybe need to see the film because they know where they stand already. Go see the film and take someone who is on the fence or who doesn't have their worldview shaped all the way. You know, this is great for young adults 12 and up. And I really am passionate about showing this to Christians, to people in church who maybe know they're supposed to be pro-life, but not sure why, or they are even pro-choice. I've met many Christian pro-choice professing people. And so, but first and foremost, the pro-life movement needs to turn out for this movie. The convinced people need to turn out for this movie and bring their friends. How did you choose who to bring into the film? So a, a couple of the key apologists that you feature in the film have been on this podcast in the past. We've had on Stephanie Gray a bunch of times. We've had on Scott Klusendorf several times as well, right? For for the guests who need a refresher, Scott Klusendorf is the author of The Case for Life and Pro-Life 101. Stephanie Gray is the author of several books, including Love Unleashes Life. And her most recent book is actually uh, on in vitro fertilization. How did you narrow down your field as to which apologists that you were going to feature in your film as you take people along on this journey from, you know, perhaps being pro-choice or undecided to pro-life? It was just no question in my mind that it needed to be Scott Klusendorf for sure, because I know just the way he communicated the pro-life message to me when I read his book or I listened to his talks on YouTube. I just thought, wow, he conveys it so clearly and that's what I want to do for people, but put it into this compelling movie. And then, of course, Alan Schliemann, I wanted to include him because I felt the same way about him. He was, I jokingly said he was responsible for this movie because that's who I heard speak about it the first time. And then Stephanie Gray as well. She had a wonderful perspective. So I just wanted to weave them all together. I just became fans of them, of theirs, and I wanted for other people to hear what they had to say. So I don't take credit for really writing this movie. I'm just putting a lot of different ideas together. So when you got introduced to the pro-life movement in all of its diversity for the first time, what were the things that really surprised you? I always knew that Christians were going to be my target audience. Those are the people that are going to go see this movie. But I was very surprised to learn that four in 10 women who've had an abortion were churchgoers in the month they became pregnant. That was a staggering statistic to me, and it only made sense uh, because I also learned that over, I would say, back in 2015, it was about 60% of churches are, are quiet on this issue, or they have exceptions for abortion, Church major church denominations in the United States. So it was a huge epiphany for me to realize just how complacent and complicit the American churches on this issue, particularly Protestants. So that was a big wake-up call to me to realize, wow, this could be a big rally cry and a tool to wake up the church. Was the decision to make a film laying out the pro-life case controversial for those around you and the people in your life, considering you hadn't had a really firm position on this before? It started to filter out my friends and colleagues, and I started to drift away from my secular 
you know, friends in the, in the film industry and more towards the Christian film industry, because I knew that they were going to be the most, the supportive ones. And I was working in the Christian world, in the church world uh, as a video editor and was surprised to see not that, not that much support. So it, it really depended on what doors I knocked on, but yeah, I was a mixture of different reactions when I, when people learned about the film a lot in the bigger churches, like the more seeker friendly churches, I would say people don't want to even go near that topic. It really depends on the willingness of the pastor. And if there's a pro-life ministry within that church, really it, the pastor has amazing influence to influence his congregation. What would you say the primary reason that a lot of Protestants and a lot of churches aren't willing to address the abortion issue? The more I considered that, the more I realized it's probably because there's so many people that have been involved in abortion or had abortion in their past and so in the church. And so they don't want to, you know, the leadership doesn't want to offend people. Obviously, they don't want to um, touch on political topics and things that are going to be divisive or offensive or, or hurt people's feelings. But that leads to this epidemic of women in churches getting abortions. You know, the, the more we're quiet about this and not educating people about this, the more we're, we're leaving the culture to be on the, the offensive of their beliefs uh, and what they know about abortion. There's just a huge opportunity for churches to love their congregation 40% more. Double back to something you said previously. Are you saying you started making a pro-life film while the Supreme Court was deliberating on an abortion case that could overturn Roe v. Wade for the first time in decades, and that has nothing to do with the timing of when this is coming out? That was all the Lord's orchestration. I first learned about the pro-life message, you know, when the, the vision struck me, it was 2016. This has been really outside of my doing. You know, I always thought the movie was taking too long, but here we are. It's coming out in two weeks, and we just got the Politico article leaked last night. So, yeah, I was actually going to ask you uh, about that because this is the the podcast for Wednesday, and it's impossible not to have a pro life interview and at least ask what your reaction was to this leak of what might be the 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 court's ruling on Roe v. Wade. What was your response when you saw that come out? this is an answer to prayer. And it was just surprising, but not surprising because that's how God has worked this whole time. Because I know that ticket sales have been so critically low. You know, we were on the brink of cancellation. I believe that this is likely our saving grace, this becoming headline news. You know, the, the abortion issue is rarely headline news and it, it's, it doesn't last very long when it is, but this is probably the biggest I've seen in a long time since the since the Dobb case even started. What the enemy intended for evil, God is meaning for good. What's the most interesting conversation you had or story you encountered while you were constructing the film, The Matter of Life? I wanted to address issues that people have or concerns and questions that people have regarding abortion. Like what about her body, her choice? And what if the woman is raped and she has no say in it? One of my favorite stories is we interview a woman who was raped in high school by a, a boy she was talking to and she didn't tell anybody for two months. And she actually ended up standing up to her father who was adamant that she get an abortion. And even at age 15, she had this, this sense in her that she needed to protect life. And so we hear her story about how she chose an open adoption 
And so that was really important for me to have a rape story where that was redeeming, where she had a different choice. She wasn't, she was pressured, but she, you know, was brave enough to make the choice of her own. And there is another option if you're not ready to parent uh, and you're too young to parent. I mean, it's a very difficult, sacrificial choice. We don't want to downplay the difficulty of that situation, but it's a very loving and sacrificial, you know, loving choice to give your baby an adoption. That was one of my favorites. And then Dr. Anthony Levitino, who is a former abortionist, he's an OBGYN who performed abortions earlier in his career. He gives his story of his conversion, essentially. Yeah, early last year, actually, the the great pro-life leader Joe Scheidler passed away. He was known as the godfather of the pro-life movement. And I went to to Chicago to attend his wake and his funeral. And I was in line at the funeral home to file past his casket. And it stretched all the way out of the funeral home and sort of around around the parking lot because so many people were coming to, to sort of pay their respects to this great pro-life leader. And then halfway up the line, I saw Dr. Anthony Leventino. And I thought that was such a perfect picture of what the pro-life movement is like. Here is this pro-life leader who served for almost 50 years in the pro-life movement. And then in the lineup to pay his respects is somebody who used to perform abortions. Anthony Levitino's story is so powerful. You'll hear it in the film that he didn't really see the value of the life he was taking every, every day until a tragedy happened in his life. His message to us is, you know, it doesn't matter if you're this big or this big or even this big, it was always you. There's only one you. And so once he reached that point, there was no turning back. I really believe that the audience is going to feel the same way. I really believe that 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 story in and of itself changes hearts and minds. I know you've sent the film out to to a bunch of different, you know, pro-life leaders and activists to review the film and to get people excited about it, which is the whole point of of this interview. Have you had the film screened by any pro-choice people to get their reaction to what you've put out? Yeah, in the beginning, I started to show it to a few of my pro-choice leaning friends. Most of them were Christian. It actually changed their minds. One of them actually ended up voting for Trump (laughs) Uh, because of this issue. She was a Christian girl, but just very liberal in her beliefs because she had just been in the world and or just been influenced by culture. And it really blew her whole her whole world. It really blew her mind. I love seeing people keep on being pro-life. They they start to look at the news and they look at things differently. You know, they start to see the media and how deceptive they are. And, you know, they start to see other things in new light as well. So that was really encouraging to to see them change their mind. But other than that, we haven't screened it with major pro-choice people yet. When is the film going to be formally released? Yeah, it's coming May 16th and 17th to theaters nationwide. And we encourage people to buy tickets early. Otherwise, those theaters will likely cancel the auditoriums to make room for bigger blockbusters. And so that's May 16th and 17th. They can go to matteroflife.org to look for that link, or they can go to Fathom Events and search for the Matter of Life. But it's May 16th and 17th. Do you have any plans to release this, I guess, online or DVD? Or what's what's the plan to distribute this to, to people other than just going to the theater to see it? Following the theatrical to be determined date, it'll have an online release. Um, and then it'll have uh, DVD and streaming 
but we really want people to turn out for the theatrical because it tells theaters and it tells everyone, hey, look, this is this issue is extremely important. Have you had any reaction? And I know this is still extremely early because the news broke just yesterday. But you have, have you seen any kind of upsurge of interest now that abortion is the only thing anybody is talking about anywhere? People are more on board to help. People are getting fired up about the film. They're responding to emails now. And I just feel like this buzz is trickling trickling out and reaching the matter of life as well. I really believe that it's going to pique people's interest who might otherwise wait to buy a ticket or not buy a ticket. I think they might, this might be the tipping point for them. So that's, that's amazing. If your background is a filmmaker, and, and I really do think this is a beautifully put together film. If somebody wants to watch a film that lays out the case for life, step by step, builds the foundations, works all the way through to the end, and quite quite wonderfully weaves in other aspects of, of the pro-life case as well, I do think that they should very much consider this film or, or showing it to their, their pro-choice friends and family as well. But I assume, based on the passion that went into into this documentary and, and your involvement now in the pro-life movement at this very interesting moment in the American abortion wars, that you probably have something else up your sleeve with regards to filmmaking. Do you have any follow-up projects that you're considering? What what have you been kind of ruminating on once this, or are you just waiting to put this this documentary to bed and then you'll start thinking forward? There's a lot of things ruminating. I'm a video editor by trade, and so that was my... Um, foray into uh, working in film production for my career but I there's a lot of things and I'm really praying for the Lord to reveal which to pursue so stay tuned (laughs) because I can't give that clear answer yet if I could ask you one follow-up question on that, though, if you look at all of the different... So the matter of life, in some ways, touches on so many issues because you're laying out the pro-life case in broad strokes. Are there any aspects of the pro-life case or aspects of the pro-life movement where you see, uh, here's a bunch of, of fascinating stories, maybe human interest stories that somebody needs to tell? Is there anything that jumps out at you? Number one being the genocide of the African-American population in, in the United States. Abortion is the number one killer of African-Americans, and nobody's talking about it. And so it's having a severe effect on the population in the United States and just the the devastation uh, of of families and people's lives. The other one that that is so staggering is the rate at which people are pressured, feel pressure by their doctor. They get a diagnosis in utero and the baby's not perfect or there's something wrong or they don't know, and they're pressured to have an abortion. And unless they have a very strong backbone, like pro-life backbone, they're going to succumb to that. And so I've just heard through just through the grapevine and just people that I meet promoting this film, there's so many stories of, of doctors pressuring and just saying, let's terminate, let's terminate. And I, I also learned that 80% or over 80% of um, in utero diagnosis is incorrect. <laughs> and so it's, a, it's a definitely a huge problem. Uh, and these doctors who are paid and their profession is to save life are, are encouraging termination. So those are two aspects of the pro-life movement that interest me the most. One more time, just so that anybody who's interested in seeing the documentary or sharing it, where can they go online to find out where to see this? Yeah, they can go to matteroflife.org and find the links there.
Tracy, thanks you so much for taking the time to talk about this great film and for making it. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation with pro-life filmmaker Tracy Robinson. She's let you know where you can find the film, and I've watched it myself. I do encourage all of you to watch it if you get the opportunity to do so, because it is very well worth your time. Take some pro-choice friends and neighbors if you can when this film comes out, especially online. Try to maybe hold a viewing party at your own house to introduce them to this documentary, because I do think it's, it's very persuasive and very compelling in the way that it lays out the fundamental case for life. And of course, this is a unique moment in the abortion wars where everybody's having a discussion about preborn human life, what we owe those in the womb and what our society should do about what we owe to preborn children and the youngest and most vulnerable members of the human family. If you'd like to check out past shows or subscribe to future shows, head on over to lifesitenews.com, click on the podcast tab, you can find our show there, you can subscribe and you can find our show on any of the platforms where you get your podcast content. Once again, thank you so much for joining us this week, and we do hope you'll join us again next week.